Hello, this is Nick Offerman, and you're listening to the MWA Podcast. Meat equals freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 13th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion of all things woodworking. I am Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com. And I'll be your host this evening while I'm not managing to save the people of Florida from the upcoming storms of the RNC. In the meantime, I want to introduce from Atlanta, the birthplace of the Modern Woodworkers Association, Chris Adkins of High Rock Woodworking. Hey, Chris, how you doing? And Chris is gone. So why don't we, solar flare why don't we move on to, to, to Nick right now? This is Nick <laughs> from just outside of Boston and MansfieldFineFurniture.com. How are you, Nick? I'm doing well, aside from the solar flares, which apparently are affecting all of our computers tonight. That's why we all need candlelight and woodworking in the dark. Yeah. Um, and Chris seems to be back with us. So from Atlanta, how are you, Chris? I'm good, Diami, and yes, I'm back. Um, I, I may get kicked out like ten times during this episode, so we shall see how it goes. We will make do. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing just dandy. I'm uh, I'm filling Tom's shoes, so we'll see how this goes. But uh, I I I have to. I'll talk about something. We'll figure it out. Yeah, in case we, it wasn't clear, Tom, Tom's absence Tom's yeah. absence is is due to a pending storm, a pending, well, I guess two pending storms. One Isaac, and the second the the looming uh, RNC in Tampa. It's a rough day to be in crisis management. Indeed. Uh, so, now that you all know who we are, and uh, we're going to move on to blog posts that have piqued our interest this week, I want to feature a post from a, a Boston MWA chapter member, Jim Ashley. And he's over at thewoodlab.wordpress.com. And Jim's most recent post is called The Dove's Long Tail. And he recounts making a table with these long sliding dovetails. And I found it very interesting because he describes his frustration with getting these long dovetails to seat in properly and his resorting to a parallel clamp to squeeze the damn thing into the dovetail. And I, I love that technique. I actually use that quite often when I'm trying to fit things that don't fit as well as they should, squeezing it into a parallel clamp and tightening it up. And Jim does it in a nice little video. So if you go over to the woodlab.wordpress.com, you can hear Jim talk about how he put his table together. I think that was it for the blog post. Do you guys read anything interesting this week you want to talk about? I have not been on the computer a single time until uh, this week. I've been so occupied with getting my kitchen floor in so my family could actually walk through the house without falling through to the basement. It's the little things that really make home life worth it, doesn't it? Indeed. Indeed. Um, so then we'll move on to goings-on in the MWA, and I know that uh, this well, right now, as we record this, IWF is going on in Atlanta, and I believe this weekend we've got an MWA event coming up at IWF. So, Chris, you want to tell everybody about that? Uh, right, we, we do. Uh, IWF started yesterday, actually, um, here in Atlanta, and, and so this week, uh, they're, they're going all week, and we plan on getting together on Friday. Uh, I think most everyone, we're going to try to meet up at about 3 o'clock at IWF at the World Congress Center here in Georgia. Um, to just kind of walk around the show. I may try to get there a little early, so um, anyone that's listening, if you listened before it, um, just get in touch with me. Um, and then afterwards, we are planning on going to STATS um, 
Sports Bar, which is right across the street, and we've got reservations over there at 5.30. Um, we're going to be meeting up and um, enjoying some festivities. Sounds like a good time. Do you guys have anything in particular you're going to be looking for or people you're going to be connecting with associated with the show or you just kind of hit the show floor together and see what just strikes you as interesting? Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, that show, it's, if, if that's, you know, one that anyone's been to before, I mean, it's a huge show and it's, it's really geared towards, um, you know, woodworking professionals, cabinet shops and things like that. But it's a neat show to go to the, to see... Uh, just kind of what new, what's coming out. Uh, I mean, Powermatic, um, you know, all those guys, all the magazine guys are, are there. And so I, I've spoke with quite a few different people there. And so we're going to try to uh, we're going to try to get together and just uh, just really kind of see what's what's new. I mean, it's a massive show. I mean, it takes you could spend all day just walking around in this place and just seeing all the new tools that are coming out. Are you going to give us a highlights reel for the next show? I, I will. I'll give a I'll do a highlights on it and see if I can. Uh, um, I'll, I'll take some pictures and, and try to pick up on what's going on. You should stand up in the keynote and just record the video. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So uh, now I want to move on to. Before you go um, on, I just want to remind people that that this weekend, um, uh, the New Hampshire Furniture Masters exhibit uh, is going on, and we had originally planned to do our meetup uh, for the show on Sunday. It turns out that we trusted the internet uh, to not lead us astray. The exhibits are closed on Sunday, so we're instead we're going to be meeting on Saturday, the 25th at noon. Um, you can check out the MWA website for the uh, uh, show announcement. Uh, so it's Saturday, the 25th at noon in Concord, New Hampshire. If you want to join us. Thank you, Nick. I didn't mean to skip over that. I'm sorry about that. No worries. Um, and I believe that they can find out about both these events also by checking out the MWA website and the MWA Google Plus page because there should be uh, public events posted on Google Plus for these with all the information on them. That's right. There are event pages. You can always send any one of us an email and we'll point you in the right direction. Okay. So right. now with the actual events from the weekend covered, uh, I want to move on to our main topic and our special guest this week is Kenneth Woodruff of roughwood.kennethwoodruff.com is his woodworking blog. Now, Kenneth uh, has created the Woodshop Widget. It's a multi-purpose woodworking app. It's been available for iOS for a while, I want to say a couple of years, and it's just recently come to Android, and I've stopped complaining to Kenneth. So, <laughs> Kenneth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Um, so, for for those people who might be listening and are not familiar with the Woodshop widget, could you would you mind explaining it to people? Uh, it's a it's a suite of tools. There's a bunch of calculations and stuff that I found weren't really available in any kind of app. Actually, in a lot of cases online. Uh, when I first started getting into woodworking, there's a lot of stuff like uh, board volume calculation and um, movement calculation, where you actually determine the species that you're working with, the size of the board, the the moisture conditions, the start and end moisture conditions. You drag a little box around, a little box around in the uh, a diagram of the, I'm sorry, cross section of the tree, and it actually will determine based on the cut of the board roughly how much that board's going to grow and shrink. Um, there's a bunch of stuff like that that was available in uh, really technical forms, like huge, like forms online with like 50 fields you had to fill out, and just crap. And uh, I just felt like it, there would be an easier way, a way that I didn't want to trudge through, and, and that 
other people probably didn't appreciate having to charge through as well. So I worked with um, um, Mark Spagnolo quite a bit on some of the initial features like the shellac mixing and shellac dilution and stuff like that. And ended up with this series of stuff that, uh, like you said, has been out on iOS for a while. Has been uh, the reception's been really good. Um, it's a fantastic app. I don't see why a woodworker wouldn't use it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Except if they had Android and no iOS device <laughs> until now. <laughs> so now that's been addressed. Um, so I actually ended up using the the web version as a base to build the Android version. There was there was some research and some kind of tangential stuff I had to do with the SDK to try to figure out how to get that to work and get it to work on lots of different devices and stuff like that. So it, it, it wasn't as much work as I thought it was going to be, but I sort of, it was one of those things where it was sort of cryptic enough that I sort of put it off because there were all, kind, all kinds of um, refinements that I was making to the web version and the, uh, the iOS version. Um, so when I finally got around to it, I was pretty stoked that, that it, it came. It, I think it only took about a month. By, by only, I mean... The original version took something like 400 hours of work. Wow. It was 400 all hours? Yeah, I built it in Flash originally. Um, uh, and then Apple pulled the plug on being able to, to build iOS apps directly from Flash. Mm-hmm. And so I had these like three days of, of horrible indecision where whether I was going to start over and build it in Objective-C, which I didn't know at the time. Um, and or just lose all the work that I had done on translating the equations and the hundred hours I put in the database and stuff. So I ended up just diving in and, and teaching myself Objective C and getting it done. So it was about four hundred hours for all that, and then I, I don't know. Uh, I, I really have no idea how many more hours for the Android version. But <laughs> I was at least able to repurpose some of that initial work, um, which is when- great. This is we might be going down a rabbit hole talking about development, oh, but I'm sorry, um, I'm no, no, no. I, I have a development question, so we're gonna okay. go. We're gonna go down that rabbit hole. Um, okay. If you started in Flash and then right. had to switch to Objective C, were you at least able to use that initial Flash base for the Flash-based website? Uh, oh yeah, that was actually what ended up on the website, um, and the, it's it's funny. It actually affected the name of it. Originally, it was it was going to be uh, an app. And then as I was building in a flash, I decided to make it so that it would have like a small footprint so that it could live on different websites. And then end up having some weird technical issues with that involving ads and Google and all kinds of other stuff. Sorry, Google. Um, so it ended up kind of being repurposed. The flash version has, you know, it's been free and it's just been kind of sitting on the website for, for a while. It's sort of um, maintaining itself for a little while. Um, but the, you know the need of it really has been the iOS version, especially uh, more recently with the, the iPad version. Um, when I first got my hands on an iPad for a game that I was developing, I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. It was another pro- crazy project, but uh, it was a, a game I was working on. I got my hands on an iPad and, and actually put the Woodshop widget on it, and I just couldn't handle seeing the tiny little iPhone version in the middle of the iPad. So I ended up totally reworking the interface and, and doing that thing. I'm, I guess I'm like a bit of a glutton for trying to do things well <laughs> and properly. Um, You're a hand tool woodworker. Yes, maybe that's part of it. That's part of it. Which which sort of actually comes into play, really enough. Like I said, when I first got my hands on an iPad, I was just like, wow, this is cool. And then I got a, a Retina iPad, which is like, the high-res screen is so gorgeous. It's like looking into a window, and you're like, wow, I can do so much stuff with that. So I ended up redoing the, the interface for that version, adding like a paper texture, making all the buttons feel kind of, or look kind of tactile and things like that. Um, yeah, maybe a little too gluttonous. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, 
let's talk about. So you've got the web version. Where can people find the the base web version of the Woodshop Widget? Woodshopwidget.com. No hyphens or funny business. And it's free, so you're free to, to get on there and use it for all you want. One of the cool things about the web version um, that I kind of rolled in uh, at the first version. Oh, cool. There it is. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's not loading the Flash. Um, we've been chatting oh, about not being able to get it to load right now. But Oh, dear. I'm going to have to look into that. Is that recent or is that something? Uh, yeah. First time I've ever seen that error. Okay. So um, yeah. one of the cool things about the... Let me see if it's working for me. One of the cool things about the web version is that any of the sections that you're in... Any of the sections that you're in, um, you can actually hit the copy button at the bottom. So if you have calculations set up, um, or, or you know any kind of wood species you want to see what the movement situation is like or whatever, you can set up all these complex calculations and then hit copy and then paste the URL like in a forum or send it to your buddies or whatever to show someone how something's going to shift over time or whatever. I'm actually going to look into this while we're while we're talking. Uh, so um, once you do the copy and paste, you, you, it rolls up this URL for you. So if someone actually follows that link, it takes you right back to the same spot with all the same calculations in place. So you can actually do comparisons and have real conversations about this in these incredibly technical things without having to deal with any of that stuff. Okay, okay. And beyond um, being on the on the web, we can now find it in the Google Play Store and the um, whatever iOS calls their App Store. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's and it's called the App Store. Yeah, the App Store. Okay. And I'm looking at this right now. I'm sorry. I, I actually just did an update on this. Um, like two days ago, and I think that's what's going on here. Oh, well, I'm just showing folks where the, uh, if anyone watching the video, the different app stores where you're purchasing okay, it. Cool. And while you're doing that, I will fix it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll come back oh, to that. One man shop, the perils of a one man shop, right? Yeah. There it is. All right, try to reload them. How often does this happen? <laughs> like instant tech support. We usually stay away from live online discussions. Just because of this, right? And now, and now it should be working. So if you try widgetwidget.com now, just maybe do a reload. It's, it's yeah, here we go. Ah, there we are. Cool. All right, so we've got, what, the board volume calculator. This is fantastic for lumberyard purchases. Quite frankly, at least for my own use, after I buy it, I don't really care how many board feet it is. But in doing the quick math to figure out what your costs are, I find this right. to be a great tool. Right. Um, cool. Decimal to fractions. That was just incidentally just a little bit of lower. That was the very first thing um, that I decided to, to put in that form. I was um, buying some some raw material for some project, and I was like, I need a calculator. I need like a simple calculator. So I mean, it's just it's a really simple calculation, but it's the kind of thing you have to keep track of it. And then you think, okay, but I want to buy like six of these, and you know they're this price and the quantities. And I just thought making the whole process much easier would be. Uh, appreciated by everybody. And you can see, and I, I can't, uh, I don't have any control over your cursor there, but you can see there if you if you actually make changes to like thickness, width, length, um, price, and all that, and then hit the copy button at the bottom, uh, you'll see uh, a little dialog pops up that shows you the URL that's been copied. And then if you like paste that into a new window, you'll you'll see exactly that same calculation. And that works with anything, any kind of shellac mixing, uh, species information. Uh, there's another tool in there called Comparison where you can like narrow down one of the selectors to say, show me all the pines and everything called walnut, whether it's walnut or not. 
and then walk through all the options. And it compares like gravity and hardness and um, tangential and radial shrinkage and kind of shows you which one's better for different purposes. So if you want to like show someone, yeah, walnut's harder than cherry, and here's the proof, you can actually roll this up and hit copy and paste it someplace and say, check this out. Well, as long as they accept you as the proof. It, it's true. And then you're, of course, welcome to go and verify that. In fact, in the about, <laughs> it says, like, please don't build anything that is, you know, uh, life-dependent or anything like that without checking this somewhere else. But I did spend quite a bit of time uh, going through. I, I, all the data came from uh, the Forestry Service, uh, which was not in any kind of cohesive form. It's not like I was able to go and import it. I actually is had it, to go manually build this database and, and like, second, like, verify the data everywhere I could. Is it so that Forest Service book that's like this thick? If you print it out single-sided, I did it on the web actually. Um, oh. there, there's there's really almost like ten different interfaces for finding all this information, and they're erratic at best. In some cases, it's like faxes and stuff that have been like poorly converted, so the numbers are wrong and stuff. But I ended up writing a uh, building a database in, in FileMaker with a bunch of scripts so that I could like say look up you know this specific species. And then it would find all this different kind of stuff for me, throw up a bunch of pages, and then I would pour through all that stuff and pull all them. <laughs> so you had to build a database just to dig through yeah. the Forest Service. Yeah. Oh my so God. I, I probably have a better database than the Forestry Service does right now for this day. <laughs> <laughs> I actually considered giving it to them. You know, um, I don't know if they would you know, have the infrastructure to deal with it. Someone would have to maintain it and all. Kenneth, um, one one thing I was you know you were you were talking about on the on the side there with the flash version how you can you can copy and send that um, I I did I, I hate to say this I meant to download this app forever and I finally downloaded it like like two weeks ago so um, can you do the same thing from the uh, either you know from a mobile device like the iPhone or from you, an Android or you can't actually I, I had considered making some kind of process for building URL and being able to email it to people and then when they click it it would open the app and there's some there's some kind of bizarre stuff that you can do on individual devices to make that work but like I don't think it would be consistent and it's something I haven't done the work to merge all that together. You know, like right. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure how to do that on Android at all. I know how to do it on iOS. Yeah, with, as I was so, going to say, is it's probably uh, OS-specific, but I know with Android right. share functionality, right. rather than just sharing a, a website, you could probably share the results of whatever calculation you did, but the mechanics yeah. of that have to be completely different than what the mechanics are on iOS. Yeah, and this is one of, of those things this is one of those things where my, my being a glutton uh, and a perfectionist comes in. I, if, I did, if I added that functionality, I would want it to be consistent and work across all the versions so that a web person or you know someone using it on the web could roll something up and send it to a buddy for their Android phone or vice versa and I'd have to find a way to do that. I just haven't done that. Done that I mean of course you could always I mean I, I guess you could always do you know you can always do a screenshot and then yeah, send it totally. that way. Or just read the number, you know, whatever comes at the end. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you know you can you can always send it yeah. some way. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we go through the different functionality of it uh, you, we talked about you know the advantage that the calculator uh, for the board feet does when you're trying to figure out what your costs are the lumberyard. And as useful as that is, what I find to be the calculator I use the absolute most and the one that takes the mystery out of doing the math is the shellac mix calculator. Yeah. I mean, I can do it, but it's it's never as simple as you think it should be. And right, right. I realize you don't have to be exact, but the fact that you can just... I'm constantly diluting shellac because I'm 
I'm lazy and I won't buy flakes because it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but to just put in my – all I have to do is look up my pound cut, figure out what I want to do. Not that mixing shellac was hard, but now it's idiot-proof, and it's it's a fantastic – Short way to do that. So thanks. You know, one of the one of the points of this actually is when I when I started getting into doing shellac, and I do, I do stuff with flakes. So the first thing I did was mix, um, and then in talking with Mark about it, he suggested adding dilution because he does more dilution than mixing, or at least you know for for whatever was going on at the time. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to to address was amounts. Like, I mean, how often do you need a gallon of shellac? <laughs> you know? Or like right. I was dealing with a lot of smaller projects and things like that, and you know it doesn't keep forever and things like that. So I, I added the functionality where you could you know, mix like one ounce if you want to, so just like small. You know what? I've never actually noticed that it, you can change those. I just you I just call it a unit, right? And I just I use whatever markings are on the cup and don't bother caring what unit it is. I'm assuming the ratios work. I hope the ratios work or I've been mixing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the same. It's just a it's doing a number. I'm not trying not to get technical. It's 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 calculating something internally and then figuring out how to show you that. You know, so it comes out a gallon, but you can say I want it in ounces, and it automatically does the math to show you that's 128 ounces. Um, so if you then wanted somehow you knew you needed exactly 32 ounces, then you can say how many cups of alcohol do I have? Because I don't know, I don't have a gallon measuring thing around. All I have is cup. Right. Um, I just felt like it would be kind of. So in this case, I'm starting with a three-pound cut. And I've got 128 ounces of three-pound cut. And if I want to get to a half-pound cut, I need to add 61.54 cups of alcohol. Right. Or, um, you know, simplify the math or simplify the numbers. Yeah. You know, maybe if you want a certain amount of volume at the end, you can you can feed, feed that number in first, you know. Right. I typically just leave it in gallons, and then I use – honestly, I don't even know. I use the smallest denomination on the mixing bucket I use, and – if right. one is one, and I put in 3.85 of the other and leave it at that. Do you want me to answer your question? Yes, the ratios should still work just fine. <laughs> the internal calculations, I think, probably refer just to the unit conversions. Yeah. I suspect you're right, but you're the engineer, so I'll take it from that. My, <laughs> well, my no, English, the, for some reason, my English training didn't teach me how to do conversions. Yeah, no, the reason, the reason I say it is I, I personally I find the shellac mixing the least useful. Uh, of the of the things and the capabilities of this thing, and it's only because I did you know chemistry, biology, and engineering for oh. for the last fifteen years. You know I do. That. But what I find really really useful uh, is the 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 tables of wood movement um, that you talked about already, and that's you know that's something that we saw. Well, at least I saw Chris Bexfort talk about using the. Uh, Department of Agriculture, or Lee Valley has a wheel that uses the Department mm -hmm. of Agriculture stuff. Um, this is just so much easier than going and finding a wheel or going to a text, and it's just it's just all right there, uh, and so easy to use. So that's that's a real handy thing if you're trying to fit drawers, inset drawers, or whatever. Cool. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad it's working out. That was that, I think this is my favorite one too. I mean, of course, I know how much work is involved in the. What's going on underneath? Uh, and actually, one little little bonus here is that I don't know if you've ever used any of the other calculators online for this sort of thing, but there's always a radio button to switch between like flat or quarter song, and there's yep. nothing in between. So there's no way to calculate like rift or any kind of variation thereof. And in this case, you can actually look at the edge of the board and kind of roughly see how it's cut in, in the cross section, and like you don't have to do the math. Right. And it's not you know super perfect. It's it's linear. 
but it's still a heck of a lot better than just like this giant table of buttons and numbers, and you have to know what all of it's going to translate to. Yeah, it's close. It's closer than you're ever going to need. Right, <laughs> right. And that, I mean, I, let me tell you that uh, converting the equation. Where is that book? I have a book that that equation came from. Converting that equation was a pretty big deal. <laughs> There's so so much stuff involved. Something like magic numbers and things just to get it all working, and then I had to go and independently verify all this stuff with different species and different uh, tangential and uh, radial values for different species. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. You're um, doing God's also, work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. A lot more than it might seem, but I, you know, yeah. as someone who does uh, design and interface and um, graphics work for a living, when it looks simple, then you've done a good job. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on underneath that nobody has to deal with. We appreciate that. Yeah, I like <laughs> yeah. not dealing with stuff. Excellent, not dealing with stuff is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially doesn't like dealing with mathematics. Uh, yeah. Hey, I tested out of math. I'm done. <laughs> math is hard. I I used to be good at it, and I haven't done it in 15 years, and for some reason I lost it. It's, um, a, it's a weak muscle at this point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... Let's talk about some woodworking. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> you guys want to jump in, talk about the bench? Yeah, tell us about shit for it. Right. What what's with the bench? I, Nick's referring to that nice collapsible workbench you made a while ago. Yeah, Diami says you have an awesome oh, collapsible. Yeah, so you, you just cut out for a second there. Uh, the bench has not been used quite as much as I'd like. I've been, I've actually been kind of in analysis paralysis on a, a huge project that that I finally finished the design for. It's a it's a like a proper kitchen table with like hepple white legs um, and benches that match. And I got into this loop for a while about exactly what I wanted. Um, at one point, I I had designed out the legs because I'm really bad at like rip sawing and cutting rip. You know, two inches over the course of three feet is not really a specialty of mine. So I was like, I'll start over. So I did it all with like boards and had this like funky modern thing, and then it was too modern. So I, I've been sort of going through this loop on that, and it's one of those things like pulling the trigger on that, especially if you're like hand tool only. Uh, I know it's going to take a long time, and I've spent a lot of time rock climbing instead of working on that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, I just haven't pulled the trigger. Um, so I, you know, I get it. I get it sometimes to do some smaller stuff, but I, no, it I was make the Android version of the Yeah. I would much prefer you made the Android version of the Woodshop widget than, than mess with your bench. But quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, you can kind of let that ride climbing go. I'm not so concerned with your mental health. I just want you to make things out of wood and and, and big health widgets. Too. You know what's funny is I was uh, when I first started climbing, I think I was still getting sore a lot from hand planing because when you're like planing walnut with with a with a plane, it gets pretty rough. And I realized that like climbing is all like pull muscles. And complaining is like mostly the the antagonistic muscles, the push muscles. So somewhere in between, I'll end up like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. <laughs> or just start climbing up feet first. You know, push <laughs> your way up. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to get back on that. Things things have been uh, like shifting away from that lately, unfortunately. So I've done a lot more smaller projects, like like we were actually talking about. This crazy little. That yeah. crazy little wand is fantastic. That that inspired four cheap copies. <laughs> so, uh, so so the bench uh, the bench is uh, resting. With the now, for people who don't know, your bench has removable legs, so it can slide under a bed, right? So it's easily stored. 
Yeah, more of my, my crazy ideas. Uh, I don't really have a space. Uh, that's Actually, that's kind of the impetus for my blog that uh, you guys mentioned at the start. Uh, I don't really have a space for a permanent bench. Um, so I designed and built by hand ridiculously this. Uh, uh, it's a collapsible bench where the, the legs pop out. So the, the on the long sides, the legs are anchored together, but they slip out of uh, – and there you go. They slip out of the sides. Um, so that I can flip the thing over and then stack the legs on top of it and slide it under my bed. So the only thing that um, that I used any power tools on that for was the dog holes in the top because there are so many of them I used to drill. To I mean, you know, but I actually did the top and planed the top and all that stuff by hand. Um, I built the. I think the thing I'm really proud of on that actually is the vice because I did a lot of research on on vice design and, and how to build them and ended up. Uh, you know, I, I gotta say, never ever turn threads by hand in history. That was a bad idea, um, but it works, and it, it looks kind of chintzy because that the the actually pops out, so that I can actually cinch it up in the vise, and it's part of the whole mechanism. I can flip it and stick it under the bed, so it has a chop. It's all proper. Um, it's uh, sapele and cherry. I don't know if there are any shots on there of the the, the screws. The screws. Let me see. While we're looking for while we're looking for those images, Kenneth, we have a uh, a tweet from our friend Scott Meek, who's I'm guessing working on some planes in his shop today. Cool. He says, "Thank you very much for finally bringing it to Android." He loves the app. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate it. And Scott is a more of a diehard Android fan than I am. So <laughs> cool. Um, and he waited patiently. I know. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Thank you very much for your patience. <laughs> yeah. No, we appreciate it. Hey, Kenneth. Yeah. Kenneth, one thing you know, you you've touched a couple of times. You've said you know you're you're pretty much a hand tool only user. Uh, I, I think you said before we came on air that that you did have a, uh, a a power drill that you you may use occasionally. But what um, what led you to that? Did you start out with with only hand tools? Was was it because of your space restraints? Kind of what got you in that direction? It's really a combination of things, actually. Um... Partially the space. When, when I first started, I actually bought like this tiny little laminate drill trimmer. I had a couple of like plywood-based projects, so I needed to get some of that stuff. But the more I did it, the more I hated it. You know, I just I hate all the dust and all the uh, the blowback. You know, I, would, I was trying to do as much as I could in my office, and even like hand planing generates too much dust in my office without any kind of real dust collection or anything. So I, I got a few of those things out of the way, and I still use like a jigsaw or whatever for, for random things like that I have to use. Um, but I, I actually got into woodworking originally because I do a lot of like design and, and animation work and a lot of advertising work. And a lot of that stuff I'll spend like three months on, and it'll be online for like a week, and then it's gone. Like it just disappears. So I had this sort of like philosophical need to, to build something real that would actually stick around. So I started wanting to build okay. stuff, you know, out of hardwood and real. And as I got my hands on things and got my first plane, I just found that I really loved actually having my hands on something after spending so many years using computers to make, you know, really technical things. You know, I, I surely miss the undo button when I screw something up <laughs> in wood. But, but you know, it's it's something about actually getting my hands in there. Um, uh, but also, you know, like I don't have space for a table saw and things like that. So sometimes I'm actually grateful that it happened that way because I would really rather do it that way because I really appreciate the process. I, I love planing. I know it's bizarre. I don't love to do like eight hours of it straight, but I love planing. 
and I feel like maybe maybe someday I'll have room for a shop and I'll, I'll get get a couple of power tools for like dimensioning because that's stuff that like messes up your hands for a week because it gets so nasty. But for now, you know, I'm doing it all by hand and, and enjoying the process. I think if I were doing a lot more like large scale projects, um, that I I probably make more use of things like planers and joiners. Um, but well, that's what I was going to say. Do you, do you, do you do you think that your projects tend to be smaller because of that? Do you, do you so tend far, to, yeah. yeah, and that's, obviously that's why you're trying to. <laughs> yeah, that's why I haven't pulled the trigger on the kitchen table. Uh, but it's partially also because I know it's going to be walnut, and I'm still smarting from turning threads and hickory. <laughs> so um, it definitely gets to you. But I mean, I've actually come up with some some kind of strategies for dealing with that stuff, like. Um, I've learned to pick board widths at the shop that will will actually kind of complement what I need. You know, I'll buy something that I know is like a quarter inch or half inch wider than I need. So, with, you know, I'm not buying something huge and then ripping it down because that, that's always a catastrophe with my ripping skills. So I'll buy something close to what I need, and then I have this... I've got all this stuff on my desk. It's funny. It's almost like show and tell. I have this beautiful Lee Nielsen business right here that... Uh, is that I a 62? Yeah. I have a uh, low angle jack. Yeah, thank you. For those of us who don't know our Lee Nielsen numbers, and also those who aren't aren't viewing at the moment. Uh, right. Yeah. So uh, I've got a tooth blade for this thing, and I'm able to actually take, you know, something that's like a half inch too wide, and it's only you know it's a board. It's only you know three quarters inch or an inch thick, and just s scrape that stuff down in like five minutes, and then clean it up. And I have like a, there's a really cool thing that I got from uh, Veritas. It's a, a like a, a kind of a jointer fence for that plane that's got rare earth magnets and you just pop it on and slip that thing down there and get it nicely jointed. It's a perfect 90 degrees all the time. So there's no adjusting and, you know, dealing with the machines and uh, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's it's cool that there are those kinds of options that you kind of have to dig a little deeper. It's not, you know, it's actually kind of hard to find some of that information. Uh, and surely developing the skill to do it by hand would be reasonable, but I'm not some of these guys that have been doing this for a long time. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing wrong with a fence. At least I don't think there is. Right, right. My two cents, if you're uh, no. your first, your first purchase, if it is to go you're with the bandsaw. Yeah. Sorry, what was that you were cutting out? I was going to say that if, as a hybrid worker who leans more towards uh, hand tools, if I can make put my two cents in is your first power tool purchase ought to be a bandsaw, especially mm -hmm. if you don't like ripping, because you can get whatever piece of wood, get it to the yeah. near dimensions, and just start planing, and you know, get into the parts you like. Um, yeah. You know, more often than not, I just end up bandsawing to close to whatever I need and finishing it up by hand. Gotcha. Yeah, that's definitely. You know, I, I I've I've spent some time thinking about stuff like that, sort of dreaming if I had the space, what I would do. Oh. But I kind of I feel like I, I also. Again, being a glutton, I have sort of bootstrapped my my way. It's actually, one of the one of the things that I was doing. Again, going for stuff on my desk. One of the things that I was doing when I first got started, just to develop some skills, was like some building some of my own tools. You know, this is a like a I don't know if you can even see that. It's like yes. a plane adjusting plane adjusting hammer, and I build myself a bevel gauge and uh, cut that sucker out with a saw by hand. So a bunch of uh, Random things like that that you can see on on the uh, uh, on the blog there. So no, that's cool. I, I even when I started trying to get better at ripping, I I built myself a frame saw by hand. Um, 
There you go. Glutton for punishment. So I, I, I kind of like to, to, to continue on that trajectory even when I have the space to, to do these things properly. At this point, I'm just sort of building things that I can like stash in the closet. <laughs> I, I know we, we both... of saws is literally this like a, 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 a board that I cut down and made, found a way to hang onto a, a curtain rod in the closet, and they're all hanging balanced on <laughs> So it's the space that I have to work with, so I have to, you know, come up with interesting solutions. We've we've kind of flirted around it, but you're still your your shop is serving double duty, so it's what your office and your shop. It is, yeah. So I've got, I mean, let me see. I even got some clamps against the wall back here that I just haven't put away since my last time. <laughs> you know, and I have a real place to like stash all this stuff. Got closets and. A great big chest back there with a bunch of crap in it that's kind of hard to get through, but you do what you got to right. That's so, another good reason to stick to hand tools is you don't make sawdust to get in the keyboard. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So I've, I've done a lot of things where, especially with, with planing quite a lot, where I'd kind of go to town and plane for several hours and then stop and take a breath and look around and be like, oh, God, now i got to clean this off from all my planes. And it's amazing. Um, people think that... that Handles don't really generate dust, but it's just not true. They actually do fantastically less, less but they do generate dust. Yeah, less dust. It's, it's, it's just slower. <laughs> right. Well, and if it's your office and you have to kind of keep it keep it up in case a client shows up or whatever, then you have to be a little more worried about like a little thin layer of dust. And... <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You're. It's more acceptable to share with the customer that you're in the middle of planing a board over in the corner than to have them come in and just have everything covered in a fine layer of dust. Right, right. <laughs> Don't mind all the phlegm that you're hacking up now. I was just building something for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to build a website for your mom? <laughs> right, right. Double duty. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the one project of yours that I want to talk about, because it's the one I know, beyond your, your bench, you, you showed it before, is, um, is the wand you made. Mm. You did that kind of ad hoc, and I have a particular spot for that because I copied yours blatantly, <laughs> and I made four of my own. Um, but yours is dramatically nicer than mine. So, <laughs> could you talk a little bit about how you made it with with all the, the with the tool set that you have? Yeah, I do. You, do you have a? Is it on a blog someplace? Kind of send you uh, If you just start talking about it, I will pull it up. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I uh, I have been told for years that I look strikingly like Harry Potter, some some versions of Harry Potter when my hair was shorter, and so I decided that I needed to uh, do Harry Potter for Halloween, and again, always wanting to try to, you know, I can't just phone it in, so I decided to make a wand, and I had a bunch of uh, dowel, I had actually the one of the first pieces of dowel that I got to make um, uh, rods for the vice for, oh, geez, there it is. Uh, rods for the vice uh, for the bench was actually avocado. I just want to kind of experiment with the, with the tap and die sort of thing that I got. Um, so I just got this chunk of avocado and looked at some photos of the, uh, of the actual wand as a prop and just kind of went at it. Um, mostly it was a spoke shave. Um, and I have this really cheap uh, set of carving tools they're really, it's really good Japanese metal, but like in a really bad base. It's just like you know, um, maple or whatever, like plain cylinders for handles. So they surely weren't comfortable, but the metal's good, which is important. Um, and I just kind of went at it. You know, I just kept digging at it. It was really the first like major carving, major. You know, this is the first real carving I've tried to do. Um, so, you know, like what was it? Uh, 
Michelangelo that would say like you just you just keep carving until the thing comes out. Uh, not that right. I'm comparing myself to him. I'm just saying, you know, I would carve and it just didn't look good enough yet, so I keep carving. You know, I just keep at it. And I think it was like eight hours later, I had something that that worked kind of. And I ended up really. I mean, that's one piece of wood, and it's just uh, finished with two different colors of shellac. Yeah, I'm just looking. I don't see a, a great picture of the whole thing overall. This is probably the best picture, but it doesn't have finish on it yet. But it is just great in the the different. Now, it's just different types of shellac. Or you dot, you put color into the shellac, or did you dye it and then shellac it? What was the finishing process? It's it's different types of shellac. I got a I got a little like uh, shellac um, sampler kit from uh, Highland, just to play with different colors and different tones and see what it looked like on different woods. Um, so, like, the darker part is, you know, just a darker sort of shellac and also a lot more layers. Okay. okay. And the, the, real, the real prop is a lot, I mean, the, 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 the darker part is, like, this nasty old, like, gray, kind of ratty, ancient, um, aged wood. So I was just kind of, you know, approximating it. I guess if I were trying to do it right, I would have stained it first. But I, I, did, I did cheat and use stain, but I went for yeah. radically different colors, so... Right. We I'm have not a claim authenticity. We have a question from from Twitter from Scott who wants to know about avocado wood and what it's like. How is it? How does it work? And and also, can you look it up in the Woodshop app? Uh, you know, I'm not. No, actually, it's not in the Woodshop budget. It's. <laughs> I was I was about to look it up and see. You know what's crazy is I knew that. <laughs> There's like 300 species of wood, and I knew that. I don't know if you've got video access, Scott. But hang on one second. I'm guessing. I'm guessing he does. Yeah. And I don't know if you can see because it it's getting dark here. Uh, I don't have proper light. So this is this is a piece of avocado dowel that I tried to turn some threads in just to see what would happen. And you see, it's like turning threads in sawdust. This stuff sucks. Like it, it's kind of. So I guess it's. I guess it works for carving. Um, you know, I had a couple times where it would sort of tear out, like like I'd like dig into some kind of funky grain or whatever. But, you know, for something like that, like actually trying to build something out, I, I was so unhappy with this. A lot is of it, it had to do, of course, with, with cutting it across the grain. Is so it where did you get avocado? What's, it, what's it like? Sorry? Is it dense or, or grainy or what's, what's it like? How do you compare no, it to something else? It feels like, I want to say, a little lighter than maple. Um, more texture. It seems like the... Uh, yeah, there's definitely more texture to the grain. I mean, you can almost see that there's like super tiny veins running in it. You know, whereas something like maple, if you look at the side, you don't see that quite so much. It's got a lot more tooth. Um, but really, this is probably the best example, if you can even see that. That part right there is some stuff that just chewed right off when I was cutting, cutting the threads in, and you can actually see the grain how it just kind of tears apart. It looks yeah. like it looks almost. So where like did you even one. get avocado? I found it just like a random hardware place. They they had a ton of different kinds of wood. I was like, I've never dealt with avocado. Really? I just want to see what that's like. He's in California. They grow avocado nearby. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, if I grow one in my windowsill over here, it gets about as big as a, a pencil. <laughs> I right. can't do much with that. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely weird stuff. I wouldn't recommend it. Now, this, this, however... Is the stuff that I made the uh, the screw and the rods for the vice out of? 
And that stuff is hard as a freaking rock. I don't know if you've ever dealt with hickory before, but holy cow. Oh, hick yeah, hickory is hard. Yeah, this is, is these, these pieces are roughly the same size, and the, the hickory feels like it's ten times heavier than the avocado. The, the avocado, uh, just in handling it, it almost feels like maybe two or three times the density of balsa. I mean, it's really light stuff. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to build really anything with it. I guess you can carve with it, but like my uh, <laughs> my cat's got a hold of this wand once and like did it and chewed right into the end. <laughs> so uh, that tells you how soft it is. You wouldn't want to make furniture or anything out of it. Uh, we, so we have a couple of other questions from online. Uh, okay. One one is from Chris. Uh, Chris Wong asks, um, in the widget, can you search by the species by scientific name? You can't. Uh, it's actually common names and the proper name. So in, in some cases there's you know something that's called walnut but that's not really walnut. But no, you can't actually search by, by species. Uh, but I will write that down right now for the next version. Thank you for the question. Um, and Matt Gradwall asks, uh, where is the Windows 8 version or the WinPhone <laughs> 7 version? <laughs> as long as there's a flash player, you have the Windows 8 version. <laughs> Actually, and uh, an extension to the, the question, the previous question, is that um, you always do see the species. So when you're walking through the browsers and you've got right. these done, you can see the full species, but you can't actually do a search by it. But yeah, the, the, their, the, the Flash version should work for everybody for as long as there's Flash. Um, and now that there's a mobile version for Android and iOS, I think we, we kind of have the bases covered. But like a native version for Windows is unlikely to happen. You, you just have to remember that Matt is the lead programmer for IE. Ah, well, there you go. So he's uh, not, not unjustifiably biased. Right, um, right. But, uh, and I can't. I was, I was noticing that... Um, sorry, the only didn't mean to step no. funny there. Um, I noticed that just going through kind of the species and stuff here, I noticed in some of these you've actually listed the uh, the Jenga scale hardness on that. Mm -hmm. Is is that just kind of what you had available that you listed the ones? Yeah, that... it, all those those search things that I told you I set up in the database. I actually had you know this is the field and I need that value um, and I need to go and find it somewhere, and I would have it kind of scour the web for me via Google and then go and see if I could find it. And there's a lot of stuff that. They just don't have all this information available everywhere. I mean, it, depending on the source, some of them have only Janka or, or only tangential or radial shrinkage. Or like a, I started adding, um, trying to add Australian woods, but the amount of information available was so inconsistent that I just didn't have the information. So the, the, the widget itself knows like when you're doing comparisons and stuff when it just doesn't have those two bits of data to compare. So and it also automatically filters like if you're using movement, do the movement calculator, um, and I didn't have tangential and radial shrinkage, then it just that species automatically doesn't show up in the list. So it's not like you right. So you need the forest authorities to provide you better data so you can give us a better product. Yes, it's totally their fault. <laughs> Australia. That, that information is yeah. It, you know they just haven't done all these tests on everything. You know in some of these cases I was digging through like pamphlets on hardwood species that have never been converted over to any any kind of searchable text. You know, I would find something that had been scanned or faxed to someone like 20 years ago and then I have to go through and try to find numbers and then corroborate that somewhere. 
it's just not available for everything. Well, I was just going to ask you about that. So you, you you do double check to make sure that it's not just it's, like a, a, an internet source. Right, as Single. much as possible. Yeah. Like when I first started populating that database, I was, you know, I was going to some of the some of the sites that shall remain nameless and finding you know giant lists of the like common species like cherry walnut whatever, and then putting those numbers in. And then when I started finding, you know, trying to be a little more th methodical about it, I found discrepancies not only between those sites and, like, the forestry service sites and stuff, but between themselves. And then I realized that a lot of those places are um, not any specific place, but a lot of that data is just, you know, unverifiable. I'm sorry, it hasn't been verified, and it was kind of not really a good place to get that information. So I decided to go to the source and put all the work in to, to get as close to the source as I could and then verify it when possible. So the next step will be getting yourself your own hardness tester. <laughs> if I could, you know, I hate to say it, but if I could justify that, it probably wouldn't be far off because <laughs> there are a few things there's just like a, a weird lack of data on. And, and I think some of these things are things that have like come into popularity more recently. Um, like I'm trying to remember, like Wenge. There was something like Wenge had. I couldn't find anything. Uh, really? That's surprising. Yeah. Like I couldn't find any of the real data that I needed, so I'm just you know, I had to leave it out. I mean, that's crazy. This, I actually use Wenge quite a bit. Huh? I, I actually use Wenge quite a bit. It's, it's yeah. It's like yeah. A, a nemesis because it kills me, but I still like. Oh it. yeah, it's crazy <laughs> stuff, isn't it? I, you know, that was actually one of my. Um, there's something that I wanted to add to this, but I was trying to get the this like toxicity information from um, different different sources. Um, and these the for some reason the the sources that have toxicity information as well as um, um, environmental impact, which is something that I've been concerned about. I wanted to show like whether things were endangered and things like that because I've sort of gotten railroaded into buying stuff that I found out later was kind of shadily handled. And I'm not crazy about that. So, but so I tried to get all that sort of information as well, and finding uh, comprehensive sources of information for that was really difficult and usually in private hands. So uh, I wanted to add toxicity, but I couldn't find a lot of stuff. And Wenge, it turns out, is one of those things that is like bizarre. I mean, it does some really strange things to you. I'm gonna look this up now and back that up. And there are woods that, like, if you get splinters, they can like cause crazy. Infections and things like that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the uh, the first time I ever used uh, Wingate when I was actually I was sanding it and I wasn't wearing a respirator, so mm -hmm. I was just sanding away and and all of a sudden I started feeling nauseous. You know, my eyes kind of felt kind of numb, and mm -hmm. so I, I thought I was getting sick. So second time around, it dawned on me. Okay, this is the wood. I need to uh, I need to back off this. So. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, like, and then you, and then you blew your nose, and the the toilet tissue or the tissue was black, black right? Right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I just I just like just quickly looked up this little chart, and it's just amazing when you when you see uh, let's see, what was it hemlock can oh, cause hemlock, like nasal yeah. nasal nasopharyngeal cancer, you know? Right. And and I think this is really important information that people just don't really have, um, but you know, finding. A source where you can get all that and then put it into something like this. So if someone's at, you know, trying to buy some lumber and they're like, "Holy crap, these are pharyngeo cancer," um, right. they'd stay away from it. But I just couldn't find enough sources for it. I'd, I'd like to do that, but I need to sort of dig a bit deeper. There were a couple places I was trying to get the environmental information, and I was asking for um, uh, permission, official permission, to actually use their data and then attribute them. 
and they just never got back to me. So, you know, I just I think it would be great if all this information was was in one place. I think that would be a really great resource for all of us. Um, but uh, it proved a bit more difficult than than getting everyone together in one room. Uh, you know, it just wasn't possible. Who should we lean on to get that information to you? <laughs> Everyone. What, what, yeah, what goal we have here? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll get a list. But like, no, actually, in all seriousness, I mean, we we we. I don't want to say we we know people in high places, but yeah, <laughs> we we know people to talk to who know the people to talk to, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah so, so, I'll get a little list together of, of some some of these places that I contacted and didn't get really in, any information from, and send it to you guys, and maybe you can help me out. Yeah, because I mean, I think it would be in everybody's benefit if that information oh, yeah. were available through a single source, you know, along with the shrinkage information and and Diami's shellac, base, you know, <laughs> you know everything you need to know, right there on your smartphone, yeah, on your yeah, on your computer. I mean, I wrote all that stuff in. There's still some of that data is is populated in the in the database, um, but I realized that in order to get more comprehensive data, I would need to kind of get you know a set of data from someone instead of whatever I could find on the web and these random you know tables of stuff. Right. I'm assuming with the random tables, you're not only inconsistent in the in the data formats you have, but you get data on some species and not others, and that just leaves big yeah, gaps. Totally. And then you got to go and collate it, and you know. You find one thing that's different from the others, and who do you believe? It's really funky, and uh, yeah, merging data. It was not my favorite part of this project. <laughs> Any other questions for uh, for Kenneth before we start to wrap this up, fellas? At the root of Scott's original question, <laughs> you 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 probably could, but it wouldn't be nice very long. You you would actually end up like chewing it up with the with the wood that you were trying to plane. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on and, and joining us, Kenneth. We're excited to share the growth of the Woodshop widget onto Android and all the other platforms it's on. Uh, before, we, before we let you go, is there is a blog or sites, or what would you like to pimp? To Please take the opportunity to promote anything you want. Yeah, really, the, the, the blog, I think you mentioned it before, is uh, roughwood.kennethwoodruff.com, and as I mentioned, I've been kind of shifting over to more technical projects lately, and I'd like to get back into more woodworking, but that that project is really about showing people how I managed to do things without a shop and like all the kind of weird things I had to build like a, a, a little sawing bench that I could break down and put under my bathroom sink so that I can cut things outside um, there's there I've gotten a lot of props for, for people in the similar situations that live in condos and things like that so it's, it's pretty handy for some people um, and then the woodshop widgets website is just woodshopwidget.com uh, if you go there, you'll you'll get the free version that's just sitting right there for you to use, and then also links to go to the Android version, um, as well as the iOS version. They're off to the side, and then of course I'd like to give uh, Mr. Mark Spagnuolo props for uh, all the advice and involvement in the earlier versions of the project. He's he's awesome and has been a really good inspiration for me. So uh, definitely go and check his stuff out. At the that's Wood over at the, yeah, that's what I said. Thewoodwhisperer.com. Okay. All right. Great, great guy too. Mark Mark is a nice guy. So, cool. thank you for joining us, Kenneth. Um, thank you guys very much. I have uh, I'm Diami Plotky of PenultimateWoodshop.com or at Diami Plotky on Twitter. And uh, Chris, where can people find you on the webs? Uh, of course, I'm Chris Adkins at HighRockWoodworking.com, or you can find me on. Twitter at HighRockWW. 
And Nick, where can people find you on the web? Uh, MansfieldFineFurniture.com or MansfineFern at MansfineFern on Twitter. And that's Fern like the plant? F-U-R-N. <laughs> Uh, and I should uh, I should say that our resident shop monkey, who is out of his residency today, Tom Iavino, he can be found at tomsworkbench.com. Or in a bunker somewhere in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> An underground room guarded by a, a marshal. That's right. Um, so if anyone wants to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to check out Modern, Modern Woodworkers Association.com for... Uh, relatively recent updates on what we're doing. I'm not going to claim it's up to the minute anymore. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. And if you want to start your own chapter or get involved with the MWA, please go to the website, reach out to any of us. We're all about community involvement. So from everyone at the Modern Woodwork Association, I want to say thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay in the shop. <laughs>